0: Welcome to People Who Wrote Books, a podcast about people who wrote books. I'm your host, Andrea, and I am going to tell you the stories of some of my personal favorite authors. Now, I am the youngest of four girls, and I get my love for reading from my mother. So obviously, Little Women was required reading in my house, and my mother definitely would have named us after the characters if she had known that she was going to have four girls. Definitely. Now, just a few weeks ago, I was reading another graphic novel, because that interest has continued, and Louisa May Alcott was in this book. Now, obviously, I know her as the author of Little Women, but I never expected to find her in the graphic novel that I was reading. Like, you're never going to guess the name of this novel. Okay, you ready? The name is American Cult a graphic history of religious cults in America from the colonial era to today. That's right. Louisa May Alcott was in a cult as a child. Like I couldn't not do an episode about this, right? So here we go. Louisa May Alcott was born on November 29th, 1832 in Germantown, Pennsylvania, which is now like the upper West part of Philadelphia. Her parents were Amos Bronson and Abigail May, and she is the second of their four daughters. Now her parents are both huge influences in Louise's life, just in very different ways. Her father was Amos Bronson Alcott. He went by Bronson. So that's what I will call him. And he was an educator. And I really do believe that. That he began all of this with good intentions. Um, so what he was doing, he was attempting to transform the American education system so that it wasn't just about memorization. And he met his wife Abigail, who went by Abba, so I will call her that. And he met her through this work because she was really impressed with his philosophy. Unfortunately, he had trouble convincing the majority of the community that this was the way to teach but then a wealthy Quaker named Reuben Haynes III discovered him and offered Bronson a position to start a school in Germantown. And they had a few good years in there, and that's when Louisa was born. But again, his style of teaching was still not catching on. And I just want to mention that what he was proposing at this time was not actually crazy by today's standards. It was basically self-analysis with an emphasis on conversation and questioning rather than lectures and drills. Um, It was basically the Socratic method. So it wasn't even a novel idea. It just wasn't what the community wanted at that time. Now, because it was so unpopular, they ended up moving a few times and ended up in Boston where he became involved in the Transcendental Club At its core, transcendentalism is about the inherent good of people and nature. So, so far, this is all working out nicely for Louisa. She is surrounded by books. She is able to read and explore. And she is in the company of her father's transcendentalist friends, which are like, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. And thanks to Emerson, Bronson, made a trip to England in 1842 to meet with some men who had read his theories of teaching and had started a school based on his principle. And that is when Charles Lane enters the picture. Now, Lane actually decided to just follow Bronson back to America, bringing along his two sons and moving in with the (laughs) Alcotts. Yeah, it's already not a good start, right? And then in 1843, Alcott and Lane decided to start a utopian society based on the biblical Eden. So Lane purchased land in Harvard, Massachusetts, because Alcott was deeply in debt. So he was not able to add monetarily to this endeavor. And they decided they were going to start this community, but they needed some people for this new group. They referred to themselves as the Consosayet family And they wrote a recruitment letter that was published in the New York Times. And in this, they explained the purpose of the group. And I quote, simplicity in diet, plain garments, pure bathing, unsullied dwellings, end quote. So this is what they're selling. So they moved their families and the few new recruits that they got, they didn't get many to this land that they called Fruitland. Basically, they were going to live on the land. They had a vegan diet. They would not use animals for labor. They also would not wear linens or cottons as a protest against slave labor. And Bronson and Charles Lane, they strictly controlled everything that was going on. So now you have two men creating a strict society that depends on agriculture, and neither of them have any experience in farming. (laughs) Yeah. Now Abba did record this time, and here is a quote from her journal. Quote I am prone to indulge in an occasional hilarity, but seem frowned down into still quiet and peaceless order, and am almost suffocated in this atmosphere of restriction and form. End quote. Sounds like a blast, right? So Abba ends up having to just basically take over everything to keep her family from starving. She was definitely a badass. Also, she was an abolitionist and a suffragist. And by the end, she just put her foot down and she said, Hey, Bronson, I'm going to leave you here in your utopia, taking the girls because this is not going to work. So Louisa is 11 and 12 during this time. So imagine the influence her mother had on her as a young woman in the mid 1800s. So Bronson's like, yeah, no, I don't want to lose my family. Charles Lane decided to go be a Quaker anyway. I don't know. So basically it all fell apart and the family ended up with nothing. Now, was this a cult? Technically it did meet all of the requirements. It was just a short-lived failure of a cult. Thankfully, Ralph Waldo Emerson stepped in again And helped them move to Concord. Then they ended up in Boston for a little bit and then back in Concord. And since the family was not well off, Louisa and her sisters started working at a very young age at any job they could get. They were seamstresses, governesses, and their mother was also working. She was a social worker. And then during this time, their father just kept chasing his dream of transforming education. Also during this time, when these girls are working, the mother is working, they were part of the Underground Railroad, helping people escape slavery. So definitely the values that um, Abba brought into this family, her abolitionist views, Bronson was an abolitionist too, but I mean, at this point, Abba's running the show, we all know it, but you can really see that in their lifestyle. So it makes sense that during this time, Louise's education was sporadic at best, but she still had the strong influence of people like Emerson around her. So she was pursuing her interest in writing. And her first book was called Flower Fables. It was a book of short stories that was published in 1854. She had actually written it a few years earlier in 1849 for Ellen Emerson, Ralph's daughter. Now, I did not find an exact answer as to how a poor 22-year-old woman got her book published, but I'm guessing it that her connection to Emerson was helpful no matter what she got her book published. And then in 1858, Louisa's sister, Elizabeth passed away from scarlet fever. She was 22 at the time. And Louisa was 25. Understandably, this was a huge event, a major loss in Louisa's life. And she famously includes this in little women. And I find it interesting that she changed the names of herself and her two other sisters in the book, but not Elizabeth. So her sister, Anna became Meg, Abigail May um, became Amy because Abigail May usually went by May and Amy was an anagram for me. She called herself Joe, but she kept Elizabeth as Beth. I just think that's really interesting and in a really powerful way to honor her sister. And then I do want to mention that somehow in 1860, her father did end up becoming superintendent of Concord schools. I truly have no idea how he pulled this off with his reputation, but I guess they couldn't do like a background check on him. I don't know, but he ended up becoming superintendent of Concord schools. And then in 1861, of course we have civil war and Louisa served as a nurse in a union hospital, but she ended up with typhoid fever and then became a patient at that same hospital and she wrote about this time and was very critical of the healthcare system. You know, she wasn't just writing stories and fiction. She was also writing these pieces that were a statement as well. And then for like the next 10 years, she wrote over 30 gothic thrillers for magazines. She wrote some books under the pseudonym A.M. Barnard. She wrote a very early American detective fiction. So apparently Louisa May Alcott can write in like any genre. So even though we know her for her sweet book of American daily life, she also wrote a book about a Scottish aristocrat who tries to prove that a mysterious woman has killed his fiance and cousin. Like she can do it all. And at this time now her publisher's like, yeah, she can do it all. And there's this new field of books for girls. And that's what I want you to write. So she did. Part one of her semi-autobiographical novel, Little Women, was published in 1868 and it was ridiculously popular. So the second part was published in 1869. And now that you know a little bit about her childhood, you can see where there are, yes, this had a lot to do. It was based on her family, but she definitely sugarcoated some of the parts. Like in the book, she created her ideal father. She also very much lessened their level of poverty in the book. There is a theory out there that the book is actually like partially her child and partially her mother's childhood. And I could see that. That's an, I think that's an interesting theory and it would make sense. Between 1867 and 1880 in a 13 year span, right? She had 13 books published under her own name, plus some others under a pseudonym. She had an anonymous novel in there And then lots of short stories for both children and adults. And then in 1877, her mother passed away at the age of 77. And it does seem like her mother just, uh, Abba was a tough woman, but she lived a rough life. And um, the fact that she lived to 77 is kind of amazing. Now, Of course, during this time, Louisa is writing, and then in 1887, she was one of the founders of the Women's Educational and Industrial Union, and it was for the advancement of women and to help women and children in Boston, in the city. They had a lot of different services. They had a store where women could sell their homemade goods. They had free legal advice for women. They had training programs. It was actually a very cool organization. You can see that Louise is still very active in her beliefs and she believes in women's rights. And so much of this comes from the teachings of her mother. Now, unfortunately, Louise's youngest sister, May, passed away in 1879. May had actually gone on to be an accomplished artist. She studied in Paris and also in London. And it was in London that she met a young man named Ernest Neerreicher, and they got married in 1878. At this time, May was 38 and Ernest was only 22. So it was kind of scandalous. But then in Paris on November 8th, 1879, the next year, May gave birth to a daughter who she named Louisa May after her sister, but they called her Lulu. I think that's super cute. Tragically, May passed away just seven weeks after giving birth. It was possibly from complications. So she knew she was sick during that time. And she decided that it was in the best interest of the baby if Lulu lived in Boston with her aunt, Louisa. So during this time, you know, Louisa is still writing a little bit, mostly short stories, but really she's taking care of Lulu. And it looks like at this point, her priority is raising that little girl. And then on March 4th, 1888, Bronson, Louisa's father died And then just two days later, on March 6, 1888, at the age of 55, Louisa passed away. This means that Lulu is now only eight years old and has lost her mother and her aunt that raised her. So Anna, the oldest sister, did take in Lulu for a a little bit, but then Ernest, Lulu's father, did come to get her and she lived in Europe for the rest of her life ended up most of her life in Germany. So Lulu did have a happy ending. I just want you all to know, cause I feel really bad for her. Now Louisa's death was attributed to mercury poisoning because you see during her time with typhoid fever at the civil war hospital, she was treated with mercury, which was a common thing to do at that time. And she did suffer with poor health throughout her life. Although, You would never know it considering how much she accomplished. And Louisa is buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery near Concord, Massachusetts, on a hill known as Author's Ridge, which includes Emerson and Thoreau. And most of her family is also buried there with her. I did want to mention at this point, because I know you're all wondering, this is the original Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, not the one in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. That one in Washington Irvin's book is in New York, just to clarify, because I mean, I was thinking it, so I'm sure some of you were too. Now, Ralph Waldo Emerson was actually a speaker at the dedication of the original Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. And I love this quote from his speech. Quote, when these acorns that are falling at our feet are oaks overshadowing our children in a remote century, this mute green bank will be full of history. The good, the wise, and the great will have left their names and virtues on the trees, will have made the air tunable and articulate. End quote. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about Louisa May Alcott, and remember, behind every great book is a person who wrote it, and this person, in her own words, paddled her own canoe.